listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about commercial art, making a good living, and making great art. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can find my illustration work and stay up to date with Creative Pep Talk at Andy J. Pizza on Instagram. Thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age, you can find this show at illustrationage.com slash Talk. Let's get in. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, AndyJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Just a quick heads up, we're doing a live event, the first ever Creative Pep Talk live event called Creative Pep Rally. It's going to be a pep rally. Uh, you can find out more at creativepeptalk.com CPR. And this is CPR for your creative career. So if you need a resuscitation, if you need to wake up, uh, <laughs> this is a good spot to uh, check out. We're going to have Daniel Evans, uh, dimensional type artist. We're going to have my buddy Kyle Sheely, who makes these amazing, hilarious internet videos and also is a public speaker. We also are going to have Brad Montague, who's the creator and writer and filmmaker behind Kid President. And essentially, the main thing we're going to be focusing on is like self-discovery, finding some clarity in your direction. We've got some really interesting activities uh, going on. Uh, I don't want to give it all away, but I do know that Danielle is going to be giving you some uh, tons of materials where you're going to be making some uh, 
letter work out of food, which is gonna break you out of your shell. Then you're gonna be working with Kyle, who's gonna help you um, find the clues to your destiny, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna help you dive into your childhood. And Brad has some uh, interesting ideas about mapping out your future. Guys, so thrilled. We, the tickets are selling. We've only got 50 tickets. So if you want to get in, it's at the end of April, April 28th. It's a Friday. It's uh, from 9 a.m. to 3. Then we're going to have an after party at Block Fort where we're going to do the Color Me Blank show with my butter, buddy, not my butter, but my buddy, Andrew Nyer, where we draw a giant mural on the walls and then you get to color it in with five and a half foot uh, giant markers. It's going to be super sweet. Go get your ticket at creativepeptalk.com slash CPR before they're gone. So I'm a little bit obsessed with the idea of artistic voice. I'm a little bit, um, it's kind of just always been an obsession of me of mine um, since when I started wanting to make creative work or when I started getting inspired by music and art and all that jazz. I've always been most interested and most passionate about the creatives who really have a particular point of view. They have a particular style. They have an ability to really command and communicate their essence. That has just always been my jam. And I don't think it's just me. I think across the board, you know, most of the, the, the most successful creatives are the people who have really got intimately in touch with who they are. And they, they have this ability to transfer what it's like to live behind their eyes into their audience and really communicate that. Uh, I think being a successful creative really uh, at the heart of it is discovering what your point of view is. And I don't mean point of view. I think when we say point of view, sometimes it sounds like that means some deep philosophical code that you've constructed the core values of what it means to be you. But it could just be you like skateboards, you're into motorcycles, you like pizza with certain toppings, right? Like the, the particulars. It could be you like to eat ranch dressing on rice. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to an interview with Mike Birbiglia with Pete Holmes, and he was saying that he is like the guy who looks like he's about to start the P90X exercise routine, but then doesn't when he's really the guy who eats ranch dressing on rice. And I just, that killed me. It was in that particular, that particular of Mike's point of view that I felt something universal about being a human. The grossness of ranch dressing on rice. Uh, and to quote James Victory, quoting James Joyce, in the particular lies the universal. And when you can really tap into who you are as a person, what the essence of your experience is, that's when things get explosive in your creativity. And so 
That's why today I want to talk about uh, what's the key to finding this voice. I believe that finding this voice is the key to your creative career. So we better figure out what is the key to finding it. And for me, this obsession, this white knuckle passion for finding it actually got in the way of me finding it. And so I feel like I took the long route and in taking the long route, really learned some tricks and tips that I believe can truly help you start the process of unlocking what is your voice. And so before we go there, maybe we should say, what do I mean by voice? What I think a creative voice really is, is it's a mashup of four things. I think it's your likes, your DNA, your experience, and your experiments. Here's what I mean by that. Your likes, the things that viscerally move you. Not just you as a person, not just because it's critically acclaimed, but the person that was there when you were six years old that's there today. The thing that just gets you on a gut level, those inspirations, those influences, other people's work, the music, the, the shows, the, the art, all of the things that make up your taste. That's a component. But I think it's just one quarter of the equation. I think the next thing is your DNA. You on a molecular level. Who are you down in your code? Who is that person that will never change? That, that code doesn't change. It tells you who you are in a deep way. Your experience, your past, your hurts, how you were raised, where you were born, the things that you that happened to you and the things you chose. You know, you don't just, your experience is made up of things that you don't choose and then also things that you go and choose, the school you go to, the, the career you chose, what, what you chose to apply to, what you chose to surround yourself in your studio with. That's your experience. That makes up who you are and what your voice is. And then lastly, your experiments. It's the work that you do, the things that happen on the page when you're making stuff, the bad things, the good things, the happy mistakes. Those things, you own every part of that experiment and that ends up building and compounding into what becomes your voice. And that's what I mean by artistic voice. And today's episode, we're going to get into the weeds of how I think you actually go about doing this systematically. If you're like me and you're desperate for it and you're white knuckle clinching, trying to get this creative voice out of you, that can A, be a problem, but B, I still believe there's some ways that you can really trick yourself into letting go and letting it happen. And I think the ultimate key to how to do this is this, is that I think you have to shift your mindset from thinking that your creative voice is the prerequisite to get the invitation to go to the art party, to be an artist, that finding your voice is the key to getting invited to the art party, when in fact, it's the swag bag that you collect once you're there in the mix, in the mix making the art. 
It's when you go to the party, you collect all the stuff that you need, and the art voice, your artistic voice, your creative voice, is the swag bag that you get while you're at the party. Because I truly believe that your cre- that art, your art, isn't just the product of knowing your voice, it's the process for finding it. That's what we're gonna do today. first thing you've got to do is you've got to have your Elsa moment. You know what I mean? You've seen the movie Frozen. And I, excuse me, I have three children. They own my life. They're all over the friggin' place. And they own all of my references now. So all of my references are Disney movies. Uh, So you have to have the Elsa let it go moment to really start the work of discovering and uncovering your work because you can't know yourself. You can't know what you don't know about yourself until you let go of what you think you know. And I'm going to explain that. I know that's weird. This first one is such an esoteric weird concept, but it's so true and it's so at the heart of what it means to find your voice that I'm going to have to dive in. We're going to get dirty. Don't worry. We're going to get more specific into real things that you can do, but bear with me as I try to articulate what it looks like to let go of what you think you know about who you are and embrace what you don't. So I think that initially you're you're Elsa at the beginning of the movie trying to keep everything under control trying to force the artistic voice to happen and it's like you know I always say that like finding your thing is like trying to catch a butterfly and if you think that having your creative voice is the key to going to the art party, then before you go in, you're going to have your your fist clenched with the butterfly. I'm mixing lots of metaphors here, but just bear with me. There's something here that I'm trying to dig into. It's a tricky thing to articulate. Uh, but if you, if you think that you got to have the butterfly before you go into the party, you're going to have these clenched fists. You're going to swipe in the air for one of those beautiful butterflies and clench your fist and you're going to be so afraid to be found out as a fraud that you're going to refuse to even peek in your hand and see if you've actually caught one. And so it's this obsession, this passion, this fear that you're a fraud that keeps that hand clenched. And then sometimes in a panic, you go to catch another butterfly just in case you don't really have one and you end up punching it in the face. And what we don't want to do is punch those beautiful moments, those moments where you get to learn something about yourself, those moments when you have an opportunity to add to your creative voice and develop it. We don't want to be punching butterflies in the face because we're so tight-knuckled on what we think we already have. Does that make any sense? I hope it does. It does to me. Maybe it just sounds like the ramblings of a crazy person to you. Uh, but but that's, uh, to me, that's the picture of it. And so you've got to let it go. You've got to open up your hands. See if there's anything there. You've got to lose yourself 
before you can find yourself. You've got to lose all of the things that you, all the persona. This sense of self is in the front part of your brain. It's the prefrontal cortex. It's the thing that you, makes you think uh, of who you think you are. It's the part of you, it's your ego. And the only way you get the perspective on that to know if there's truth in it is to step away and say, is that me or isn't it me? And this reminds me of this concept of transient hypofrontality, this idea of like leaving the prefrontal cortex temporarily to go back into the subconscious, to go back into the weird part of your brain that is uh, the deeper side of you and just look at your ego and just look at your sense of self and say, what part of this did I attach in my teenage years to look cool? What part of this is a mask, is a persona? And what part of this is real essence? And you can only do that if you open up your hand and sing Let It Go. (laughs) My second favorite episode of Fraggle Rock is episode 18 of season one. Now you know I'm a diehard fan when I know what my second favorite episode is. Not to be confused with my first favorite episode, which is Gone But Not Forgotten, which is a a beautiful episode about death and reincarnation and a mud bunny. Um, But (laughs) but, um, my second favorite episode is where Jim Henson plays a character called Cantus. He's this enigmatic nomad who has this traveling crew. They come to the Fraggle Rock and they, uh, they, they, everywhere they go, they get the Fraggles to sing a Fraggle medley. And the medley works by each Fraggle going away, discovering their song, and then coming together and singing them all together and they make this amazing medley. And so Cantus comes to town, and even at the beginning of this episode, we have Red Fraggle. It starts with her waking up in the morning and saying, I'm going to be first today. And I think so many creatives, like me, have that competitive obsession. We've got to have the voice right now. We know we need the voice, so we better have it. And we're going to make it happen. We're going to get it. And that white knuckle clenched fist is the thing that stops you from grabbing the butterfly because you're holding on to what you think you already have instead of letting go and letting in what might what the new things might happen because if you think that your creative voice is the ticket to the party you better already have it Whereas if it's something you collect while you're there, it's something that you get on the journey of making things, you're always adding to it and you don't have to ever grasp it completely at one moment. And so back, I'm not leaving Red Fraggle. Don't worry about it. I'm going straight back there. I'm going to wrap up that loose end. So here's Red Fraggle. Cantus comes to town, says, all right, we're going to do a medley. Who wants to start it? She's like, me, I'm ready to go. Just tell me the song and I'll sing it. And he's like, that's not how it works. You can't make it happen. You've got to go and let it happen. You've got to listen. You've got to be receptive. You can't grasp it. You've got to let it come to you. And so maybe you are a bit of a red fraggle, a go-getter trying to make waves instead of riding them and you need to give it a minute and let it happen a little bit. And I think of it's like this 
uh, Little John moment. And I don't mean Little John, you know, yeah, I don't mean that. I mean the... I mean, Little John from Robin Hood. There's this moment in Prince of Thieves where uh, (laughs) Little John is in the river and he's flailing all over the place because he knows that he can't swim. And Robin Hood's just like, dude, chill, stand up. There's this water's not that deep. And I feel like if you are in that moment where you have that clenched fist, you want to be first today. You want to own that creative voice and you and that's causing you to flail around like a maniac in the in the creative industry pause stand up it's not that complicated breathe let go and let's get started okay so step one is have your elsa moment Step two is jump into the pool. So if you're ready, if you're ready to let go of already having attained your creative voice, if you're ready to humble yourself before doing some work that's exploratory, if you're ready to disconnect yourself from the payoff. There's this tricky mindset switch that you've got to do when you start a project to explore who you are because you've got to know that it will pay off. But in order to really get your hands dirty and explore, you've got to disconnect from the obsession and need to pay off for this work to go somewhere. You've got to allow yourself to get into the art for the art's sake knowing that if you do that, it will pay off, but you can't do it for the payoff. If that makes sense to you, you're probably a creative person. I'm sure I think that you probably were going to get it. And here's what I want you to do. You got to jump into the pool and you got to make the work to work it out. The only way to learn how to swim is to dive in. You can't do it on the side. You can't learn your creative voice and then make creative work. You've got to learn your creative voice as you're making it. I really believe that art is one part self-declaration and one part self-investigation. They happen at the same time. As you go to say something about yourself with your creativity, it will also help you learn something new that you didn't know. And so my suggestion is to create a side project, a project with no particular commercial application or payoff. Work that you're doing just to work it out. For me, this project was Nod. I did a daily drawing project where I did a new character every weekday for a year. And I knew, even before I started it, I didn't have any real idea of what it could turn into. It didn't seem like a book. It didn't seem like a TV show. It didn't seem like uh, something that was going to turn into uh, any commercial application. I had no idea what the payoff could possibly be. All I knew was it was there were these themes and these interests that I needed to explore by doing the work. And so what I suggest you do is if you're a musician, create a side band, a band that doesn't matter, that's not going to take you where you want to go. The purpose of this side project is to learn. 
is to explore, is to discover new things. And so what I think you should do is create a side project with particular parameters, really specific equation, and I want it to be nearly impossible. Only if it's nearly impossible are you guaranteed to make mistakes and start adding to that account of your experiments. It's those mistakes in the experiments. An experiment is not a, um, a sure thing. The whole idea of an experiment is you don't know how it's going to go. And so when you set up the parameters for this project, here's my suggestion. Make it a little bit impossible. So for me, I was doing a new character every weekday for a year. And I knew for a fact, as someone with kids in a full-time job, that that was going to be nearly impossible. And it was going to force me to make decisions that I was uncomfortable with. It was going to force me to make some quick decisions, some weird decisions. I think with this side project, quantity is better than quality because if you're forced to get that stuff out, sometimes that red fraggle in you doesn't get to be in control. Sometimes it forces you to get out of that prefrontal cortex and make stuff from a different part of you that you're not sure about, you don't like, you don't understand. And it's only when you start creating from that place, when you start making accidents, when you start making mistakes, and in the work, working it out, that you start to get new information. Third thing you gotta do is you gotta mine the value out of that side project. I always say Michael Jordan couldn't play the game and referee at the same time. So when you're making the work, you're playing the game, get rid of the critics, get rid of that ego sense of self that needs to control everything and make the stuff. Have a blast, get into it and have some fun. After the fact, it's okay to go back through all of that work and mine what's valuable for your career. After the fact, it's fine to watch the tapes and critique. It's not fine to critique while you're shooting the ball. You can't be in your own head. This is a fact, actually. There are pitchers who have actually lost their career because they're so in their head with the mechanics of how to pitch the ball, they can't get into the zone. And so in that same way, step two, jump in, work it out in the work, have some fun, make some mistakes. But then after the fact, it's actually okay. Don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't throw out the commercial application with the fun. It's fine to edit afterwards. So go back through that, those beautiful butterflies that you were catching, uh, go back through them and see which you want to put in your portfolio, which you want to put in more work, the next work that you're doing. Uh, for me, the difference is if you get this in the wrong direction, if you edit before you play, to me, that's like the difference between, you know, the glory of going to a uh, butterfly garden. <laughs> Have you ever been to one where there's just giant butterflies flying all over the place? It's magical. It's a fantastic time. I'm not ashamed to say that I quite enjoy being surrounded by beautiful butterflies. <laughs> and it's the difference between that and then having a, a box, uh, uh, what do you call a shadow box with all of those dead butterflies 
pinned, their carcasses pinned to the board. There's no life in them. It's kind of interesting. I'm not saying it doesn't have any value, but it's not the same experience. And I think when you edit before you play, that you get into that experience where it's the dead butterflies in the case. And when you play and then edit, the editing is the enclosure. It's the magic of being surrounded by hundreds of butterflies rather than the serendipity of just, you know, happening upon a few butterflies. And the career component, if you want to turn this creativity into something you can do on command and for money, you need to create the enclosure. So for me personally, I feel like uh, in kids' media, again, going back to the only thing I know about anymore, uh, (laughs) I think Lego. Lego is phenomenal at doing the playing and then the editing. Instead of thinking, um, what toys do we want to sell? And then how do we tell a story about the things that we think are going to sell well? I think they go super deep into what's an amazing story that we could tell. And then let's mine what's valuable. Let's mine what good products are going to come from that. The Lego movie is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's so good. It's the hero's journey, super funny, really original, fantastic. And then they mined all kinds of cool stuff that they could sell to kids after that. The other way around is the butterflies dead in the box kind of thing. And that's a lot of kids TV where they're like, what are kids like? I don't know. They like dinosaurs and trains and robots. Maybe we can make a dinosaur train robot show. And each show is just this formulaic pitch to sell the toys. That stuff sucks and it doesn't go anywhere. That's the red fraggle white knuckle, dead butterfly box. I'm just trying to go, how many friggin' metaphors can I stack on top of each other? You don't want to do that. And so many creatives, their work, their portfolio is that mashup of getting the cart before the horse. Because we know, Lego knows they need to sell merchandise for this to be worth it. They know it, but that it got to disconnect themselves from the payoff before they get there. They have to play before they edit. And so when you go looking for gems, you don't want to have the rings already pre-made. You don't want to have the jewelry, you know, the size and the shape and the color all picked out before you go find the gems. But after you find the gems, it's fine, it's fine to craft it into things. So for me, after I made all this work, these, this Nod project, this giant batch of exploration, I got to take it and look through it and think about how can I apply this to my career? How can I put these into band posters? How can I put this into campaigns? How can I take what I found and take that gem, throw it into the refinery fire and make it palatable to the commercial world? I think that that's fine. I think if you're not, if that sounds terribly gross to you, I don't think you're cut out to turn this thing into a career. And, uh, yeah, that's what you got to do. So, it's obvious you need to ask yourself the very important question. What kind of cat is your current creative voice on the spectrum of cool cat to copycat and where you need to be being right dead center 
Where are you in the creative voice journey? Are you over on the cool cat where you're so cool that you're too ahead of your time, you're too irrelevant, nobody knows what you're doing over there because you have no influences, you have no context. People don't know what genre you're a part of because you're doing such an out-of-the-box thing. So cool, man. It's like a scientist who refuses to take the thousands of years of human knowledge and they're trying to reinvent the wheel instead of standing on the shoulders of giants and, and trying to figure out time travel. You know what I mean? It's okay to be influenced. That's part of your creative voice. That's part of the makeup. So quit being such a cool cat. Or, you know what's next? Are you over in the copycat world? Now, I don't want this to turn into something that negates your ability to make creative work. If you're over, if you get the sense that maybe you're over in the copycat territory, and I think everybody has, in a, has a nature to lean over to the cool cat or the copycat, um, just naturally, but if you're over there, maybe it's time to go through the process of letting go, opening up those hands, Quit squeezing the thing you love so much that you're killing it like Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Open your hands. I think the only posture for catching these beautiful butterflies, baby, is open hands, cupped open hands, where the butterflies have the ability to land in your hands when they come and leave when they're ready to leave. Because when you grasp too tightly to who you think you are, when you're Maui from Moana, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Again, another kid's reference. It's all I've got. I need to watch like Breaking Bad or something so that I have adult references. But when you're Maui and you think your identity is wrapped up in your fish hook, you're not willing to use it because you don't want to break it. Because if you break it, you're not Maui anymore. You can't squeeze those butterflies like that. I think when you can make this key shift in your mind from an artistic voice as something you have and own in order to participate over into the area of a thing that you're going to spend a lifetime exploring, you can have that open posture and allow things to come and go and to learn and to grow and never get too attached and obsessed with one particular expression of your essence. Think of Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson is someone who I think as a culture we think of as the epitome of someone who's really tapped into their unique voice and style. Yet, if you watch his career closely, film by film, you can see him hacking away at the marble and revealing who is really at the core and getting away from, you know, starting it. You know, he started in this place that was very Stanley Kubrick, very, uh, I can't even remember all the names, but Hal Ashby, all these folks, he was very, very deeply in touch with what he liked, but maybe less in touch with what made him unique. And film by film, you can start seeing it evolve because it's not just a product of knowing your artistic voice. It's a process for finding it over a lifetime. And so maybe if you're in that copycat zone, 
You need to open up those hands and let some of that stuff go. Let some of those influences fly away and let some new things germinate. For me, nothing feels better than tapping into who you are as a creative person and as a human. To me, it's that moment. I talk about it all the time because it's for me, it's the epitome of being alive. It's expressed perfectly in the first movie of The Matrix when Neo finally sees all that code and he's, he's transcending above the earthly into the higher realms of thought and he kicks that agent's butt with one hand behind his back. That transcendent moment, that's what it feels like to tap into your real self. I actually made a poster about it that says, you are the one, uh, you can totally do this or something in that realm, but it's this artist who's reaching their potential, who's tapped into that transcendent place, into that they've left their prefrontal cortex, they've tapped into that deep stuff that makes them them, and they're delivering it. And nothing feels better than that. That is my favorite thing to do as a human is to feel like I'm really in touch with that thing. But it's a, it comes and goes. It's a process to go back to Moana, again, just because you need to see it if you haven't seen it. I, I'm seriously passionate about that movie. I love that movie. It makes me sob. It really does. It's so epic. The soundtrack is great. Anyway, this episode is becoming a sales pitch for Moana. I'm sorry about that, but there's this moment. The whole movie is actually about who you are. Every character in the movie is trying to figure out who they are. They're all going on that hero's journey to discover that. And so I want to be your grandma. I want to be, I want to be to your Moana as you're going on this journey. The person that reminds you to keep looking, keep exploring. There's this song called I Am Moana on that movie. I love how deep I'm going into this. It's so ridiculous. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> there's this song called I Am Moana where she's reciting everything she knows about herself. She's going into her, uh, into what she likes. She loves the ocean. She loves the, I'm only just realizing as I'm saying it, that it's my exact, uh, <laughs> it's my exact equation for knowing who you are. But she talks about, she loves the ocean. She loves her island. She talks about what she's accomplished, what she's done, her experience, who she is on the inside. And then she does a crazy, uh, <laughs> scream of, uh, I am Moana, and it's this declaration of this is who I am. And so I hope that this episode acts as your grandma <laughs> to encourage you to do that deep, deep work. And the goal is to get so into the investigation through the work, not just sitting back, you know, navel gazing. I'm not talking about just going on long walks and going sitting in the cabin and, you know, sitting on a chair and saying, who am I? That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm saying getting, getting so into the work, getting so into that exploration and journey that by the time someone comes along, like a client and says, hey, we'd like to pay you for what you're doing, it's just a little bit annoying. It's just a little bit annoying to have to stop 
pause that exploration and then go make something that's gonna get you paid. And I feel like once you really sink your teeth into this journey, that's where it gets really interesting. When the creativity becomes the exploration and the investigation, that's when you start to get onto something. And it's so funny, by the time you get there, people wanna start paying you and getting paid seems so much less interesting. And so uh, I hope that this episode instigates that journey in you today. Another episode in the bank. Hope you enjoyed this one. Don't forget to check out the Creative Pep Rally at creativepeptalk.com slash CPR. Go get your tickets before they're gone. There's only 50 and once that's sold, that's it. That's all we can have for this event. It's going to be fantastic. Guys, thanks to uh, Y for the amazing theme music. Thanks to Metavari for all the other tunes. You can find more about them at soundcloud.com slash Metavari. Thanks to Illustration Age, our syndicate. You can find the show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Hey, do whatever it takes to stay pepped up.